Shopify helped businesses break sales records over the holidays with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Red and Buried. Uh, I am Frankie. I'm Sarah. And we're back for a second episode. We've made it so far. Exciting. We weren't rejected with the first one. No, actually, if anything, I have to say thank you so much to everyone that listened to the first episode because we somehow got onto like Apple Apple charts. We got yeah. onto Good Pods charts. How? How? I mean... The people love us, Frankie. That Who must be it. I, I was, as I said at the time, I can only think that there were only like thirty-five other podcasts about books. Maybe and we just, yeah, that is my suspicion. But we'll uh, take it. That's fine. We'll take whatever we can get. So yeah, thanks everyone, and thanks if you you listened last week and you've come back again. What a glutton for punishment you are! But thank you so much. Yeah. So let's not waste any more time, Sarah. Let's get down to business. Okay. Now. You chose this theme. Yeah, I did. And then when I actually went to look <laughs> for a book, I really regretted it because it was harder than I thought. So it was really tough. And actually, that's a good point. Maybe we should just say for people that didn't listen to the first episode of Coming In Cold, should we explain the format of the actual podcast? Yeah. So each month we will pick a different theme around some sort of crime slash true crime slash thriller novel um, topic. And we will both pick a book from that, from within that um, subject that we decide on. Um, And we don't know which the other one is picking. So we're coming at this fresh. um, That was shit. You can cut that bit out. Fresh and cold. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know which book the other one's picking. So, yeah, it's all a big surprise for us, too. Yeah. And there's a very real chance, particularly with such a niche category like this one that we've chosen the same book who's good to say let's see let's see yeah I did wonder I think mine was not well known at all so hopefully not but um, I'm fascinated this this month's theme was a true crime non-fiction book set anywhere other than Europe or North America which doesn't sound tricky in theory but as I discovered so I went to I think three physical bookshops to browse Mm. and they didn't have a single option in any of them yeah and they weren't small bookshops either (laughs) no and I mean I did a lot of online research trying to find stuff and it I don't know about you but with my my searching it was mainly like have you heard of this Scandi novel I'm like no I can't do fiction I shouted at my computer non-fiction yeah no I had the same as well um and I narrowed it down to a couple of options in the end um a couple of and days I ago. Sort of, there was one option was actually no I had three options so one was very well known Ooh. which I didn't go with and then there were two others one was about a case that I did know ah. um, and one was a case that I 
didn't, but was set in a country that I had been to. So I went with that one. <gasps> I'm so excited. Okay, Sarah, what book did you choose? The book I chose was called A British Serial Killer in Singapore by Ui Boon Tan. And I hope Ooh. I haven't massacred that name. Oh, I think right off the bat, I'm definitely going to massacre mine as well. So let's just say we, we apologise if we accidentally offend anybody. We don't mean to. Yeah, I'm so sorry. But I don't know this one. And this is not the book I've done. So we've success. Brilliant. Another month down. Um yeah, no, I mean, I I had never heard of the book and I hadn't heard of the case either, which was interesting because it turned out, I'll get into it more shortly, but it turned mm. out when I started reading it, that it was the first serial killer that Singapore had ever seen. Wow. And how proud that it was a British person, guys. Good job. Yeah, wow. I know. I well know. done, everyone. British <laughs> pride, homegrown talent. We love that. Wonderful. Yeah, great work, guys. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was absolutely fascinating because, A, I didn't know the case, like I said, but also the um, criminal justice system in Singapore, despite the fact that it's so heavily influenced the country as a whole by British mm. culture, um, there are some quite glaring differences in the justice system as well so that was really interesting too um and this book also brought in other locations um so i guess spoiler alert from now on yep sure so he also as a part of his spree i guess you call it went to thailand and killed two people there oh Um, god and then it also turned out that he is also strongly suspected of a murder in Belize as well. Oh, wow. Okay, so he travelled. He saw the world. He did. So I guess I will jump into talking about the book. Please. Um, so, yes, the author, whose name I will massacre for one last time, uh, Ui Boontan, he was... At the time of this crime happening, he was a reporter for The Straight Times, which is like the main English daily newspaper in Singapore. Okay. S-T-R-A-I-T, after the Singapore Strait, not like the Strait Times. Oh, right, <laughs> got it. Some sort of heterosexual paper. Oh, God, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, um, so he was the law and crime specialist for there um, when he got involved in this case. And basically he picked it up because um, when the first victim, or what they thought was the first victim, went missing, um, this was a South African guy. So the victim's family were all in South Africa. So they faxed an appeal to the local police stations and hospitals in Singapore. Um, and then also as a sort of afterthought, sent it to the local media outlets as well. Ah. So this was based in the 90s. So facts all quite low tech um so this reporter picked it up and ran with it and also you say you say low tech but at the time high tech right facts was the pinnacle of um... oh yeah absolutely but interestingly see later on when they need they they've sort of found the body and they know it's it's the victim david Klein, but they obviously need to prove that so the sister in south africa had to provide a blood sample and then a friend of hers flew it to singapore oh wow because that's dedication yeah yeah that's sort of how things happened back then I guess how yeah because I guess in, in today's world you do like a DNA profile and like send that over the profile mm. rather than the actual physical specimen perhaps but anyway yeah. speculation sorry and I will stop interrupting you with stupid questions please no, keep on. interrupting please so yeah what was first of all what was really interesting was obviously Singapore is an incredibly safe country in general very clean yeah, and as I said, I've been there fairly briefly. I think I was there for five days. Um, but I felt safe when I was there the entire time. Because you were the one killing people. Yes, I was the British serial killer in Singapore. <laughs> what a plot twist. What a scoop that would be. Imagine, we'd go viral. But yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, 
and also what I quite enjoyed obviously was reading I recognized places and place that you know place names that have been discussed and things like that mm-hmm. so that's what drew me to it um so a little bit of background as I said the victims names were um David Kalane, who was a South African gentleman and then a mother and son adult yeah. son Sharon and Peter Daniels who were from Canada so quite different MOs there yes so what was interesting is right at the end of the book they kind of did a bit of summary I was getting a little bit annoyed all through the book because they were calling him a serial killer and personally as the expert I wouldn't have said that two separate incidents of murder constituted a serial killer that's a good point I think isn't it like if you if it's more than three people then you're a serial killer technically so the FBI I looked this up because I was getting a little bit irritated (laughs) um and there's not actually an official definition the FBI say um three different instances oh okay as opposed to three different victims um but anyway as I said at the end it turns out that after uh, again spoiler alert he gets executed for the crime oh okay um, after that it comes out that basically there was a man killed in belize in exactly the same way and the murder the uh what was his name <laughs> it's terrible john martin right the killer um he'd actually transferred money from this victim in belize's account to his own oh account. So, so definitely involved yeah there's no doubt there so after that was like okay that's fine yeah fine you're allowed to call killer. him a serial killer i guess yeah reluctance exactly um but so yeah they sort of summarized at the end why he did what he did um why they think he did what he did he wasn't that cooperative with police and Mm -hmm. it was interesting because most serial killers um there's generally always a sexual side to the Mm. crime yeah one way or another and there was absolutely none of that with this guy martin um Martin's his surname. I'm not really familiar with him. He was, <laughs> You're not on nickname terms with him. No. no. He was motivated because he wanted money. Right. So he stole credit cards and traveler's checks and all that jazz from his victims. Oh. And the author states, and I don't know where he got this from, but he states that actually Martin got no joy from killing. Like, and why'd he, he do he, it? He didn't, he didn't dislike it. I suspect he probably had some sort of sociopathic tendencies by the sounds of it, but right. he sort of made the point of he didn't really feel anything killing them. It didn't stress him out, um, but he also didn't derive a whole load of pleasure from it. It was a means to an end. That's really interesting. Well, yeah, it is. And also <laughs> fairly interesting. And they think that actually he had robbed um, a previous, I think, German tourist businessman who obviously blocked his cards almost immediately. Yeah, and that was what made him go. Well, I'm going to have to kill them so they can't do oh, that. Oh, I oh god, like as kind of just preventative measures for keeping the money. That's really awful. Yeah. God. So a bit of background on the killer. Um, he had quite a lengthy criminal history, but none of it was violent crime. Um, it was all sort of burglary. There was one episode of indecent assault. Right. Um, violent, obviously. Um, right. But most of it was theft and burglary, and then um, drug smuggling. Ah, okay. In slightly later years. And actually, he was on the loose. He was meant to be in prison. He absconded from prison on a home visit. Oh, God. But what's interesting is this is the second time he had absconded from prison on a home visit. Oh, so maybe keep a closer eye on this one. Yeah, the first time he absconded was caught, I think, in the process of another crime and was sent back to prison. And then they let him out on another home visit. Yeah, like, oh, I mean, come on. He said, sorry, I'm sure it's fine. Like, yeah. He wouldn't do yeah. it again, would he? 
trustworthy, well, trustworthy old drug dealer, assaulter, man. I know. And then wow. it seemed like um, part of the reason that he felt he wanted all this money was basically he was obsessed with his ex-girlfriend and he had a kid with her and they right. were living in Mexico. Um, and it seems like he was trying to get money together to prove that he wasn't a loser. I you know, I would argue that he's <laughs> the biggest loser. It's a little um, counterproductive, I would say, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the most disturbing fact about this case was, so the book goes into quite graphic description of how he um, disarticulated his victims. So he literally removed all of the limbs and the head um, and dumped them in different places, different body parts in different places. Um, and they said right from when they found the first body part, that it was clearly someone who was skilled in this area. So, uh, a doctor a surgeon a butcher wow so he must have been good at it it yes it turned out that yes he was an incredibly talented butcher skills he learned in prison oh well i mean <laughs> he was literally given the job of like on-site butcher in prison and fully trained in how to do this wow i mean okay <laughs> they say if you do a job you love, you never work a day in your life. Well, and... I would say he agreed with that. Yeah. Mm, that's, that seems very... I don't know about giving criminals tools and weapons and training them how to butcher is necessarily the right right kind of training that I when I think about rehabilitation in prison I tend to think <laughs> more like you know like maybe doing like you're passing doing your high school diplomas or that kind of thing yeah butchery interesting <laughs> absolutely insane wow um, and as I briefly mentioned a stark contrast to the Singapore justice system so what was really interesting was firstly how quickly their justice system moves. Oh, wow. So the crimes happened, it was 1995. I want to say it was sort of March time, but I could be slightly off on that. And the entire process, he was then executed in April 1996. Whoa, that's really fast compared to here. Yeah, so the crimes had happened. They'd worked out who'd done them, arrested him. It went to trial. He was convicted. He actually raised an appeal post-conviction and then dropped it not long afterwards. Right. Um, and yeah, so absolutely fascinating. I think that part of this is because there are m- much, much fewer. That's terrible yeah. English. But you know less crime. Mean. Um, well, no, I was going to say there, there are a lot less moving parts to their justice system by the sounds of it. So firstly when you're arrested, you're not entitled to any sort of legal representation or a lawyer. Oh, that would speed things up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what was interesting was that the reasoning behind this, I mean, I sort of somewhat agree with the reasoning, but I obviously don't agree. I, I think everyone should be entitled to have a lawyer. Yeah. Um, the reason is that the the investigation focuses on the victims it's the the person accused of it is sort of an afterthought wow yeah that's quite a progressive way of approaching it yeah so they don't want people who have been accused or arrested to have legal representation because they want them to just tell the truth and not be advised they should hide this because of this and blah 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 i mean what a dream world that would be if everybody just told the truth but yeah um this is the problem, right? Mm. And the lovely idea in theory of putting the victim <laughs> first, because absolutely that should be the main focus. But that sounds a little bit worrying in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then they also have no jury trials in Singapore. It's heard entirely by one judge. So, Oh, wow. 
I have no idea if in practice that means they've got a much higher false conviction rate or what. I didn't yeah. into it that deeply, but that was quite interesting as well. And then the final thing that was really different was if you are convicted of murder in Singapore, it's a mandatory death sentence on conviction. Wow. No, no bones about it. Just straight down. No. And wow. it seems like they're what they call murder is very much you know premeditated killing I guess like murder one in America I don't know what they call it here I watch a lot of American crime shows so there was basically this guy he tried to blame it all on an imaginary friend essentially oh that old chestnut yeah literally saying oh someone made me do it um me and they did I did (laughs) yeah um and they didn't buy it or the judge didn't buy it but had if he had then he would have been convicted of a slightly lesser right crime and it wouldn't have been mandatory death sentence but they didn't believe him it was clearly a load of bullshit by the sounds of it anyway from all the evidence they had especially if it's a money focused thing it's not like a psychopathic kind or a psychotic break or anything that's very much premeditation i want money and how's this is how i'm gonna get it and keep it yeah exactly nice try buddy yeah so yeah, that was my book. It was actually a really good read. I obviously never heard of it before. I hadn't heard of the case. I hadn't heard of the book. Um, I think the fact that the author was a reporter. Mm. So the fact that the author was a reporter obviously meant he can write. Mm. And the book was quite a nice balance between factual, but also slightly more colourful language, I suppose. Um, is it um, is it a translation or is it written in English? Do you no, know? no, it's written in English because, I, to be honest, I think everyone in Singapore has English, English as a first or joint first language anyway. We do have that effect on countries, yeah. yeah, well, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, and what I really liked was there was one statement in it where basically he makes this point that victims can't prevent violent crime. There's absolutely nothing you can do yeah. to prevent violent crime from happening from you. If, That's very if true. Some, yeah, if if someone's decided to do that or has that nature, they are going to do it. Um, and I really well, liked that. Yeah, what a refreshing change of non-victim blaming pace. Yeah, especially since the book was, I'm assuming, I didn't actually check this, but the crime happened in 95. So I'm guessing the book was written not long after that. Um, And it was slightly dated in other ways. Um, Or the book wasn't, but the victim's wife testified at trial about how much the victim hated homosexual people. Oh, okay. And I was a bit like, oh, yeah. jarring okay a bit, a bit uncomfortable I mean she still shouldn't be killed but yeah like, yeah exactly yeah. so yeah that was my book I actually really recommend it and I'm going to be really boring and go for four tombstones again out of five because it was Solid. I want to say enjoyable read and that's not the right term but you know what I mean that's the thing. I think anybody that's listening to this po- to this kind of podcast is of the same mindset as us where it's like we don't enjoy people being like killed and murdered and suffering or anything like that and obviously we don't we 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 make stupid jokes but we're not in any way you know supportive of murderers or anything like that so no I think everyone gets it when you say an enjoyable read it's just interesting and engaging and all that kind of stuff yes exactly okay that's really interesting I'll have to look up this case and have a bit more of a read because it sounds really interesting yeah it was and it's really fascinating how, even though he was British, like there was no kind of, co- there wasn't as much coverage over here, presumably, because, you know, both you and I are big true crime heads and we've not heard of that. So that's really yeah, interesting. It's certainly not a well-known one. And I don't know how much of that is the fact that, um, you know, the reason we pick this topic is because it's mainly European and North American cases that get 
talked yes. about and discussed and covered on true crime podcasts and documentaries on the TV and stuff. So I don't know how much of it is, is that side of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, very interesting. Oh, good pick. Exciting yeah. stuff. Well, shall I tell you about mine? Yes, very excited to hear what you picked. Yeah, because I, as I said, it was a tough one. Um, we, you can't pick themes anymore because it's too hard. <laughs> I think I picked picked next month's as well. Oh God! Okay, fine. It's easier. Okay, so I so I had a couple of options as well, but I went for one in a country that I mean I know a, a little bit. I've never been to this country, um, and I've, I've I know kind of the kind of. I would say the most historical kind of points in this country's history. Like, so I'm just going to say, so it's set in South Africa. And mm. so I know about apartheid, obviously. And I've heard mm. of like things like Oscar Pistorius and all of that. Those are awful, that kind of big case. And I know mm. there's a lot of crime and unrest in certain parts of the country. So I knew, I, I knew a very surface level amount about South Africa. Um, so I did find out some interesting extra bits uh, while reading this book. Um, the book is called Grave Murder, the story behind the brutal Velcom killing by now. And I, I, I apologise if I butcher your name as well, because I did actually look up how to pronounce it. And I'm still going to butcher it. So here I go. Um, by Jana van der Merv. Merv. I think it's supposed to roll your R there. Okay. I'm going to try really hard not to do any kind of offensive South African accent because I don't want to upset anybody. But. My only frame of reference, really, for a South African accent is from the film District 9, which I don't know if you, you wouldn't have seen it, obviously, Sarah. No, but, um, obviously not. Yeah, so I, I'm going to be really respectful and not do that. So you're welcome, South Africa. <laughs> um, it's set, I, would, I, I actually didn't check when it was published, but I believe it was in like the late noughties mm-hmm. in terms of timescale. Um, and the victim is only one victim, but um, his name was Michael Van X. Again, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but it was tell you what, quite a gory story, a bit like yours. Um, mm. So his body was found in a graveyard. Wow, that's up your alley, isn't it? Right, yeah. As you see, I now that out of context, people that don't know me, uh, I just enjoy a graveyard. I think everyone enjoys a graveyard to a certain extent. Mm, no, very no. Okay, like but you have to admit, like interesting places, beautiful tombstones. Blah, 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 blah. No? Okay. No. Never mind. Um, so, I, again, I googled the pronunciation of Velcom. So hopefully I'm doing that okay. Um, but apparently that is an area that is quite a, a heavy crime area of South Africa. Okay. So apparent, in the book it says arguably one of the most dangerous places in South Africa. So Ooh, That's quite a title to gain as well. Yeah. And also, um, similarly to your author, uh, Jana van der Merv uh, was a reporter as well for a newspaper mm. there. So um, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt being that she reports on the, the country and the area, so she must know it quite well. Mm. Um, but so when they found... Um, Michael's body I'm going to go first name terms with him because I don't want to butcher his surname any more than I have to but um, mm-hmm. when they found his body uh, the head entire right arm and hand and left foot were missing and both legs were amputated at the knee very similar to my crime isn't it very similar um, the right foot looked I'm quoting from the book now superbly clean almost t- washed toenails neatly clipped and dirt free so really strange very gory very very sad and it was you know the one really good thing about this book as well they they focused heavily on the victims families um and their perspective Mm. and how this this poor michael van x it sounds like he was a really good kid like he was 20 i believe um and he had 
two sisters who's really close with, who's really close with his mum and dad. And he he struggled. One thing I, I now, and this is my ignorance, and I apologise for this, my ignorance around South Africa, it says in the book that he was so, he was a, um, a young white man. And apparently around this time, post-apartheid, young white men struggle to get jobs and money and things like that. That's what the book said. I have no idea if that's the reality of the situation, but this is what the book said. No, I don't know either. Um, he lived with his parents still because he was struggling to kind of make his own way in the world. But he had a job at a local mine um, that he was doing quite well. I think he worked as worked there as an electrician at a mine. So, um, but uh, one thing I did learn about South Africa from reading this book is that, um, and I, I, it sounds so obvious when I say it now, considering a lot of the kind of history of Africa, you know, Africa as a continent, is the kind of the focus on um, witchcraft. And that kind of mm. thing there, and the heavy gang culture, which I had never heard of the the detail on the heavy gang culture there. So I'm going to read you a list of some South African gangs, okay? And I tell you what, I'm going to throw in um, I've thrown a fake one. If you can tell me which one of these <laughs> is fake, all right, you win a prize. Okay, all right, all right, okay. So the first one, the six 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 gang. I think that's true. Yep. Okay. How about the B2Ks? which stands for Born to Kill. I think that's true. Okay, what about the Illuminate? Oh, that could be fake. It's real, the Illuminate. Oh, They're coming after you now wow. for dissing their name. Um, <laughs> the next one, Dogs of Corruption. Oh my God, real. Yep, that is real. What about Seven Slash? Uh, fake. That's real. Oh God, I'm bad at this. You are I've bad at this. South African gangs coming from <laughs> You're never going to be able to join any of these now. No. And then you'll know this one is real because I can't pronounce it. The um, Eisenyoka, which apparently means snakes, I think, in Afrikaans. Oh, wow. That sounds very Germanic, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a bit. Um, and the last one on my list here, and this is, again, <laughs> this one really made me chuckle, which I shouldn't laugh at the gangs. I'm not laughing at them. It's just because the name sounds very formal. It's the International Junior Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a snooker team or something. <laughs> exactly. Or like some sort of local council, like youth initiative <laughs> or something. Um, so, yeah, those are the gangs. Um, and they, at first, when they found the body, given the kind of the nature of it, they suspected things like maybe for witchcraft. Apparently, the witchcraft thing is a really big problem um, in South Africa because um, obviously body parts traditionally the genitals are used mm. in um, African medicine. And apparently 15 to 300 of these crimes happen every year. Wow. Yeah, which is quite shocking, I thought. Also, like, did you say 15 to 300? Yeah, it's quite a leap. Uh, <laughs> this, this... <laughs> That's a wide range, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, this is from the book directly. So, I mean, it could be a slow year. It could be a really busy year. We just don't know. <laughs> but the, because his genitals weren't removed they moved away from that um, mm -hmm. as, a, as a possible motive. But they were still kind of a little bit suspicious due to the kind of the, the, the nature of the mutilation of the body. And I, I don't want to spoil too much. I mean, there's obviously there are going to be spoilers in this already. Mm. But they basically, the way they found the murderers, there were two of them, um, was they were looking on the victim's phone and the last number that he phoned was, they phoned it up and a young girl answered the phone. And they didn't want to spook her or kind of scare her off. So they said, oh, a friend of your, uh, uh, we have a girl in the hospital and you were the last person that she spoke to. Can you come down here? She, she wants you, she wants to speak to you. And the girl apparently sounded very suspicious, but was like, okay. 
okay, I'll come. And she did. She showed up with her boyfriend. <laughs> and her name was Shanae Van Herden um, with her boyfriend, Martens. Now, I'm probably butchering those pronunciations, but I'm not going to apologise because they're murderers. Mm. So I think Screw you lose them. the right. Yeah, you lose the right of good pronunciation when you kill people, um, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, they actually, they kind of willingly turned themselves in after this. And again, not to spoil too much i mean it's it's a very well-known case apparently in south africa so apologies if um it's my ignorance on that again but long story short uh shanae and martens were probably i would say a really bad couple i'm gonna say it quite a toxic relationship <laughs> in a lot of ways i mean arguably from their perspective very well matched because they were really into uh ri- they kind of they tried ritualistic stuff they weren't satanists as such but they liked rituals and they would make up their own blood rituals they do a lot of cutting of each other during sex and all wow. that kind of stuff which if it's in a consensual relationship and you're being safe and careful that's your business fair play to you be careful no judgment here but when i do judge it is when it goes a to the next step which it does in this case you non-consensual victims yeah exactly so basically she shanae it sounds like she has i would say sociopathic psychopathic traits and they talk about that quite a bit in the book because mm. quite cold like she had feelings like she cared about martin her, her fiance but she didn't really have any problem with kind of death and things and mm. uh, but although she didn't like killing her thing was and it, it kind of explains in the way the body was found she was into mutilation and she was really fascinated by skinning wow (laughs) yeah and she's young so this girl was like about 19 and she's really petite little girl um and yeah looks very sweet and innocent but she was fascinated by skinning and when she met martins apparently he was a very lovely guy but he also has schizophrenia okay yeah so i think when he is treated he was pretty good like when he was on his medication but then he didn't take his medication all that much when he was with shanae and what was her background background had she had a tough childhood or not especially really um she's very close to um her sister she had a good a good relationship there she had a, a good my parents divorced i think they largely were a little bit she was a bit kind of forgotten about that mm. she was the second child and uh, speaking as the youngest, I can attest to that. To that. <laughs> um, but yeah, she nothing especially harrowing or brutal. I think she was just just a little off, you know, just like a bit of a strange, sheltered child. She struggled to make friends very easily. And she always looked for relationships with older men, I think. I think maybe she had some daddy issues. But I mean, who among us, you know? So <laughs> there's no excuse for murder or uh, skinning people, in my opinion. There's not really, no. No, I would say. interesting, though, because um, it was the same with, with my guy, my killer. Your man. <laughs> yeah, he'd sort of had a pretty okay childhood his dad had died when he was 10 but other than that he'd had a pretty normal upbringing it's in some people it's just a chemical imbalance isn't it yeah. where they just don't have all the all the stuff that makes them nice caring empathetic people yeah so so yeah going back to their relationship it kind of they started off with like as i say some like blood stuff during their sex whatever but then they did things like killed a kitten oh, no. yeah but the thing is so she didn't like the killing she liked the skinning but martens would do the killing and he was cool with that and she didn't like the killing though like he would go a bit crazy um very stabby um and she didn't like that but when he was finished that was when she came into her element and she was doing her skinning jesus another thing that similarly to what you were saying about the justice system there i was reading this book and i could not believe my eyes when they were saying how once they'd arrested them basically they took them back to their house to get changed sure 
Yeah, I was like, um, I don't think that's a good idea because, you know, and then they were basically like they're walking around the house. And then this is when the really shocking thing came when um, they were asking about the killing, where the body, the rest of the body was. And then Sinead pops open the freezer and pulls out his face. Oh, no. She'd skinned his face and put it in like a wrapped in a freezer bag in the oh, freezer. Oh, God. But that's what I mean. But they were all just stood around looking at this evidence going like all these police in there, not shutting down an active crime scene, bringing the killers back to their house to maybe move things or I don't It just seems insane in the, in the UK. That wouldn't. Well, you'd like to think that wouldn't happen. But you would. But who knows? Would. Um, so but I mean, they they caught them anyway. So maybe they thought no harm done. We know it's them. They've basically confessed. We've got his face in the freezer. Job job kind of done, really. <laughs> So I, I can't say, but uh, yeah, so Shanae, yeah, they said, going back to what you said, she was quite a lonely person. She had an imaginary goat friend called Azazel, which oh they tried to say, oh, is that a symbol for Satan? But then they were basically like, no, I think she was just trying to be. And it was quite in the book. There's a lot of the conversations between the two of them, like their text message conversations. And it's like proper, I would say, naughty's emo cringe. Oh, and no. It's, yeah, it's really like oh, painful to kind of read because we've all I was guilty of a bit of that I was when I was say, younger. I, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really embarrassing. Like they call each other these like dark prints and these awful goth sad nicknames that just are oh, painful mm. to read. But she was definitely, uh, I would say, the more kind of the colder, more premeditated version of the, uh, the more. She was basically the kind of brains behind it, I would say. Mm. But they decided basically that killing the kitten wasn't enough. Um, and they wanted to get a person to do this on. So she went on to, I, I forget the name of the website, but it's kind of like a dating pro website. She met this poor, innocent guy, chatted him up and said, let's meet in a graveyard. Ugh. He did nothing wrong. He just broken up with his long-term girlfriend. I think he was looking for a nice, fun evening with a pretty girl and yeah, totally, totally awful and unfair. But I will say, not victim blaming at all, but if on your first date, someone wants to meet in a graveyard. Yeah, that's an alarm bell. Mm, I mean, as someone that loves graveyards, part of me would go, actually, that sounds quite nice. But I would just maybe take a friend or, you know, let people know where yeah. you're going. Yeah, not victim blaming, as I say, but just something to bear, a bit of a red flag waving there. Yeah, see, the the killer in my case, lured, lured. But he basically went up to the victim in the airport, in Singapore airport, and was like, oh, do you want to share a hotel room so we can both save some money? Wow. And they agreed to do that. And Wow. Yeah, again, I... Just no, say no, don't do no. it. It's not worth it. I don't want to share a hotel room with like my friends or family. So why would no. I want to share a room with a stranger? No. But I guess I guess if he, he thinks somebody maybe wants to save money, that's like, you know, they're a bit desperate. That's quite sort of manipulative manipulation in itself, isn't it? Well, yeah, plus he had the whole polite British <sighs> gentleman every time. thing going on and your girl had the young pretty Yeah. Exactly, innocent little yeah. girl. Yeah, little does he know that she's ready to skin his face. Just really awful. And she really, throughout the whole thing, showed no remorse. She said, it was something I've wanted to do since I was three years old. I wanted to do it. I did it and I would do it again. Wow. Definitely yeah. a lack of remorse. Also, three years old. Yeah, this is the thing. I'm going to call bullshit on a bit of that. I think she's just trying to sound like a like an intense goth yeah. dickhead. Um, but yeah, you so would she's, hope. Oh, you would hope. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so really interesting thing. And also, apparently, when they took her, there was an interesting part of the story where they took her to the cell, 
Um, and the woman that the police officer that arrested her um, had like a really awful headache all night and she couldn't sleep after she arrested her. And when she went in, she saw that the girl had made like a voodoo doll of her and basically said to her, like, how's your head when she came in? <laughs> so like it was, they were flying some kind of witchy kind of stuff going on with their... Um, which oh, she was trying to be trying to be edgy, trying to be cool. I don't know if that's like a coping mechanism or whatever, but yeah. Um, the book overall, I mean, we talked quite a lot about the case. The actual book itself, um, it was pretty good. As I say, I think she's a reporter, so there was a lot. She had a lot of information on it. I will say, I found the latter part of the book was a bit of a copy and paste job from court transcripts, literally okay. just the whole thing. Um, and the text message conversations with her going, and then she said, kind of in between, yeah. which I felt was a little bit meh bit boring mm. and also this is perhaps a massive spoiler right at the end of the book it ends quite abruptly they're obviously both sentenced to uh to jail they don't think they were sentenced to, to death they they will be eligible for parole after a certain number of life sentence i think it was lovely yeah um but she basically when martins was walking out the mother of the son basically t- attacked him she like ran at him and jumped at him to mm. yeah which i don't blame her fair no. enough um but that was kind of how the book ended just with that I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Right, well, we? I guess that's over. She's attacked him all as well. Pieces made. So, yeah, I, I found it interesting. I learned it was good to hear about a case I didn't know about and about a country I didn't know all of, that much about, particularly the kind of the witchcraft um, practices that mm. still exist. Um, you know, you, I think a lot of the time you assume it's an outdated thing in, in a lot of countries, but it's really not. So that was interesting. I would give it three tombstones, I would say. Okay. But um, yes, really sad, really awful case. And yeah, there are some weird people out there. Yeah, there really are. Mm. And you can't spot them either, as we were saying. I just think like if you're really that desperate to get into like to skinning and stuff, why not go down the taxidermy route? Just try do something legal and, you know, safe. I know you hate that kind of stuff, but like. Yeah, but I mean, it's better than killing a 20 year old man. Yeah, this poor innocent guy that's oh, so sad. And his poor parents and his poor sisters. But yeah. but yeah, so that was a really, although difficult to find the books, a fun one to do, like interesting. Yeah, I'm glad we did go for um, less popular countries. Hmm. Uh, popular on the true crime novel front, I mean, not um, yeah, not their overall level of popularity. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a fair It definition. was quite interesting. And yeah, so the other two books that I considered were hmm. People Who Eat Darkness. Oh, I've read that. Called, I thought you would have done. Yes, um, really good. Yeah, it looks really interesting, but quite a mainstream one, I thought. Yes. The other one was about the case of Natalie Holloway. Oh, okay, that name's familiar. She was an American student who disappeared, I think she was 18, on a holiday in Aruba. Oh, wow. Um, And that's got a huge amount of attention um, because, you know, she's young and white and... Yeah, uh, American. Privileged American, yeah. Um, But actually, both of her her dad and her mum have written books about it. I think they're separated now. Um, So I considered one of those. But I knew the case quite well. So I thought I'd go for something a bit more different. Good to expand our knowledge and learn about new cases. Yeah. Nice. Well, what is the theme of next one? Because I genuinely can't remember what the next one is. (laughs) So next month's theme is a psychological thriller. um, fictional fun, fun. So we will be spoilt for choices this month because there's thousands of them out there. Yeah, our our cup will run us over with, I've already forgotten what it was, (laughs) psychological thriller. Psychological thrillers. (laughs) Great start. I will write that down. 
really fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Well, thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, um, yeah. I hope we hope you've expanded your true crime knowledge as well, along with us. And if um, if you have any other true crime book recommendations, please send them our way. We're always looking for them. Yeah, and there'll definitely be more true crime monthly topics in the future. Absolutely. Um, if you have um, anything you want to tell us, any book recommendations or anything like that, you can email us at redandburiedpodcast at gmail.com or we're on social media, um, all of them. If you want to Instagram us, it's redandburiedpod. I should check that before I recommend it. <laughs> oh, what a pro. Always a pro. Red and Buried Podcast. It's Red and Buried Podcast on Instagram. Um, and I think on Twitter, it's Red Buried Pod because someone else took my name, which is rude. That's about it, really. Uh, we will be back on the first Friday of next month with our psychological thriller choices. Also, if you have any ideas for those, send them our way because love to hear them. And yeah. Sarah doesn't actually use any of the social channels, so um, I can have them exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not me being passive aggressive. It's totally fine. It's just true. It's <laughs> <laughs> just facts. <laughs> And we're also hoping to have some author interviews lined up soon, which is really exciting. Yeah. I will keep you updated when those are confirmed. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I still have not thought of a witty, funny sign-off. I'm not, I'm not sure we need one. I think it's okay just to say goodbye. I know that goes against everything inside oh, you. <laughs> it hurts my heart that I can't think of a, a funny pun to go with it, but... Okay. Something may come to you. In the middle of the night or something. Well, bye, I guess. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah, okay. See you next month, everyone. Right, bye. Bye. Elsewhere on We Made This. Shocky Vision. The next poll is a little bit more interesting. It was Survive or Die Again with the adult characters. And the characters were Logan, Bree, Michelle, and Detective Evans. And the Chucky Vision listeners predicted that Detective Evans would survive the week before she died on the show. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. that uh, <laughs> We made that poll. Well, I was going to say premature. We made that poll probably at the perfect time. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and... Um, they also predicted that the character that would die would be Michelle. And looking at the characters, Michelle is the only one of the four that actually survives. Free with this month's issue. I was looking up what the point of the band name was, because obviously Black Country being sort of like about a mile away from where I am right now. Yeah. Black Country New Road, they have said it's a metaphor for a good way out of a bad place so fuck you <laughs> not going to endear themselves to many midlanders with that uh you know dudley zoo and wolverhampton civic hall are fucking ace <laughs> yep both of those places <laughs> well done colin yeah successfully defended yourself with two locations i have all right west midland safari park pretty cool as well yeah yeah <laughs> Frame to frame. This episode yeah. was our Christmas horror film episode. Yeah. Now you mention Gremlins. Whoa. Where was that a week ago? Well, well I mean, what can I say? 
I mean, um, genuinely, this is uh, so. You, this should, is... You, should, you really, you should have consulted the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and you would have been able to see this situation happening before it did. So, this just... is episode eighty-one of the podcast, right? And I will flat out say to you now: this is the worst film I've watched for this podcast. It is worse Blimey. than Sextet. It is worse than Cats. I just hated everything. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network. <laughs>